we've been teaching the same fundamental truths of online business building success for over a decade. And here's the good news. It really works. The testimonials are rolling in around here like kids to a Christmas tree on December 25th. Get ready to take notes, class, because school is in session. Ignore this content at your own risk because there are only five things you need to understand in order to build multiple income streams online. And Jim is going to tell you about all five of them on today's show. Ignore these truths at your own risk. I can't believe he gives this stuff away for free. Ready? Let's do this. Hey, man, oh, man, I love this time of year. Now, I promise this show is evergreen, meaning you could be listening to it three years after I recorded it, and ideally, the vast majority of the content is still every bit as relevant as the day I recorded it. Because the rules of business success haven't changed in thousands of years, guys. I've been saying a lot of the same stuff for well over a decade now, and you may be thinking, well, the internet changes so quickly. How is that possible, Jim? You update your book all the time. Well, yeah, there's some new tools that come along, but human nature has been the same for thousands of years. Doing business the right way has been the same for thousands of years. As the good book says, there's nothing new under the sun, and to the degree that you understand and embrace that, it's a huge, huge opportunity for you to stand out above your competition. But let me just talk about the time of year it is right now. As I'm recording this, we're coming up on Christmas. That puts us right on the tail end of Q4 with some of the busiest shopping days of the Christmas holiday season yet to come upon us. And we are rolling in success stories right now. There's a reason they call it Black Friday. You know, this whole time period from about Thanksgiving up until right now, where we're decorating for Christmas and we've got lights on our house unlike anything we've ever done this year, guys. We're going all out. I actually paid someone a nice chunk of change to come and decorate the whole outside of our house and our neighbors are saying, wow, you guys really did it upright this year. Yes, we did. It is a year to celebrate. And if you're listening to this in real time, maybe shortly after Christmas, by the time this episode comes out, man, I just hope that 2017 starts off just phenomenally for you. But I'm not one of those guys that gets real excited when the page flips on the calendar. I'm excited every day. I jump out of bed on Mondays. I don't care if it's in the middle of June or September or December. It doesn't matter to me what the month is. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, six days a week, I'm going at it, typically. Building my business. I love working. I love serving you guys. I take that one day of rest off. You need that if you're not doing it. I'm telling you, you need to take at least a day off, 24 hours. You can do a little bit of work with the family, a little work around the house, but step away from your business. Recharge. But the reason I'm saying all of this is I have more evidence than ever. We have just ended by far the most phenomenal year that we've ever seen. Remember, I've been doing this for 14 years now, teaching internet-based entrepreneurs how to use the internet in creative ways to grow exciting businesses. And our community has exploded. And by far the most exciting year we've ever seen happens to also be the year we launched this podcast. And thanks to you for supporting it and spreading the word. We're just bouncing all over the top of the charts on iTunes in several categories, blowing me away. I'm being contacted from people all over the place, new opportunities, new validation and credibility for our entire operation. I call it my ministry. 
You maybe perceive it as my business, and that's perfectly fine because that's really what it is. But to me, the two are the same. But I'm so excited because this time of year, Christmas, the kids are excited. You might hear them out here. We just put Christmas decorations up literally just a few hours before I recorded this, and I just had to come out here into my office, step in here, and just share a few words with you guys about what I think are the five foundational principles of your success. And it doesn't matter if it's the middle of summer where you are and Christmas is the furthest thought from your mind and maybe you don't even celebrate Christmas. It has nothing to do with it. But man, it just put me in a good mood today to come on here and talk to you guys about what I think are some very foundational, important concepts that you've got to be You've got to be plugging into your internet business if you're going to succeed. And your failure to observe these five foundational rules, and these five are found, by the way, in the Silent Sales Machine book. It's If you're reading version 9, it's chapter 3. Now, I'm going to update the book soon. We'll have version 10. There's a few things I'm going to tweak and move around, change the order. The book's not going to change dramatically, but there are some new exciting things that we're doing. But keep in mind, There's nothing new under the sun. And as we go through these five points, I'm going to basically illustrate how the stuff we were teaching 10 years ago, the stuff we were saying 10 years ago, still every bit as much applies today to the internet. Yeah, there's some new websites out there, but human nature hasn't changed in thousands of years and it's not going to change anytime soon. And if you understand that, these principles start to make a lot of sense and understand how timeless these principles truly are, these five concepts for internet success. So, hey, I love doing this. I love serving you guys. Thank you so much. I love and I'm so blessed to sit in a beautiful home with five incredible children, a great wife. Uh, Maybe I'll tell you a little bit more about them sometime. I haven't yet, but we've got just five kids God blessed us with. Three of them are from international adoptions and two of them are biological. Some special needs there in the mix. Uh, But we're just blessed to have the time and the flexibility of schedule to be able to do things like this. I can sit down and, you know, I didn't plan this out on my calendar that today at this time I would be talking about this topic. I have the freedom to think and, yes, pray, which I do for you guys all the time as a listener or a member of our community or just as an entrepreneur anywhere. I think it's a very spiritual, virtuous thing that you're doing trying to build a profitable business. Because remember, the beautiful thing about a successful transaction is everybody wins. It reflects God's nature. Here's a cool thing for you. I haven't dropped this one on you before. And this is another little Hebrew lesson just popped into my head. I'm going to share it with you now. And I'm not going to say it perfectly, but if you do your research and you talk to maybe a a Hebrew rabbi, they'll explain it to you in greater detail. But the word for grace and the word for marketplace overlap. Well, Jim, why does that matter? Why should I care about that at all? Well, here's the thing. Grace, to me as a Christian, is unmerited favor. That's when God basically gives me something. I give him something tiny, and he gives me something back that's of more value. Like, I walk into the situation, give something up, and walk out better than I came in. You know, that's one of the concepts of grace. You know, I come in there just a messed up goofball with mistakes and all kinds of problems in my life, and I walk out better after having experienced God. You know, that's the Christian concept of grace. That's part of it anyway. Okay, so then you look at a marketplace. Well, what is a marketplace? How does that have anything to do with grace? Well, if you look at a marketplace, that's where two people come together. They both give something up. But in giving something up, they both then walk away better than before the transaction happened. Right? Otherwise, in a free market, why would they have exchanged money and goods? If your price isn't good, I'm not going to buy the stuff. 
And if I'm not offering you enough money, you're not going to sell the stuff. But grace happens. The beautiful transaction happens when we both walk into that scenario and then both walk away happier. I was very happy to pay $50 for that incredible steak dinner for my wife and I. I would have gladly paid $150. It was so fantastic. But you only charged me $50. i am happy to pay it. And it only cost you $25. I don't know how you do it, but because of the economy of scale, you can. So you just made 25 bucks. I would have paid a lot more. We're both very, very happy at the end of that transaction. Does that make sense? Do you see how that starts to reflect God's nature and marketplace and grace? You can see how that overlaps a little bit. So I think what you're doing as a business building person out there, trying to run a a virtuous, profitable, honest business, you're not forcing anyone to buy your stuff. Only people who see tremendous value in your products are spending money on your products. Good job, business building warrior. You are doing a good work. I'm in your corner. I think you're awesome. You know what? I will never make a movie where you're the bad guy. In my movies, you're the good guy. Hey, let's stick together, all right? It's us against the world. A lot of people don't get it. Business building people are awesome. I love you. I think you're great. And I've got some good lessons for you today. Now, one of the things that I share in the Silent Sales Machine book, before we jump into the five foundational principles, is what I call the two ground rules for building multiple income streams online. Okay, there's two basic ground rules. And we've been doing this for way over a decade now. The two basic ground rules in our community are this. First, we're never going to ask you to make a big investment and then hope it works out later. It's just not necessary. You've heard me talk about it before, but the era of writing a big check and then crossing your fingers and hoping that it all works out someday, it's just not necessary. Those kind of risks were a fundamental part of business success up until the last maybe 10 or 15 years when it started changing. And you could experiment with so many creative concepts now that don't cost you any money or cost you so little money. It's just not needed. That's why my book, the 101 free marketing book, just talks about how to experiment and try ideas that cost you virtually nothing until something works. Why not? Why write massive checks, raise large piles of cash and hope that it works out, throwing your money to the wind in some cases? It's just not necessary. So that's one of the ground rules is I'm never going to ask you to spend a huge chunk of change, a large portion of what you've saved for any business venture. Do these five, ten, twenty dollar experiments until you find something that really works out well for you. That's the best way to do it. So that's ground rule number one. Ground rule number two is no new technical skills needed. What I mean by that is we're not going to sit back here and say, okay, well, we're going to teach you this new cool business model, but first you're going to need to take about 50 hours of PHP programming. You're going to need to learn Linux or graphic design, or you're going to need to go to school and spend a few years and study intense marketing, advanced statistical strategy analysis. No, you just simply don't need that stuff. You just don't. Those of us who are succeeding wildly online, building incredible businesses are following five pretty basic principles that I can explain to you fairly quickly. And you can call them skills if you want to, but it's basically just understanding what's available to you. Those of us who are succeeding wildly online aren't the ones learning how to program and do graphic design and do everything ourselves. We're not changing fonts at three in the morning on our websites. There's people willing to do that sort of thing for a few dollars all over the world. I say all the time, you know, bring me any internet-based skill, any skill. Yeah, Jim, well, I went to school for four years and I've got skill X now. 
I can program a spreadsheet like nobody's business. I'm like, well, good for you. That's great. I'm proud of you. Be proud of your skills. That's awesome. I hope it takes you great places. And it will come in handy when you're hiring people to do those things for you someday. You'll know how to find a good candidate. That is a benefit there. But any skill you want to bring me, I don't care what it is. You give me an internet connection in about between two to five minutes, and I will find someone in the world who is better, faster, cheaper, more experienced, more fun to work with, a more delightful person who I have more in common with, someone who will be easier for me to contact. They'll follow up faster. They'll offer me more creative ideas on the back end than you ever would have, right? You get my point? See, your skill makes you a commodity if that's all you've got is skills. If, however, you learn to think the right way, if, however, you become a creative source of new ideas, now you've got an asset that no one can take from you. No one can be a better version of you than you are. And it's not just about the skill set you have, although that can be impressive. That's great. Be proud of your skills. I'm not saying don't go learn new skills, although I don't spend a whole lot of time learning new technical skills because that's one of my rules. Rule number two, there's only two rules. Rule number two is, don't waste a bunch of time learning new technical skills because you can go pay someone five or 10 bucks an hour to do all that stuff for you. You just need to know how the world works, how the world of business works on the internet. And once you understand that, well, you can go pull the pieces, the components in that you need, have someone else do that stuff. I couldn't build a pretty website to save my life. Here I am speaking on stage in front of hundreds of business experts all the time, business leaders, people growing businesses, and I'm on stage and writing books and, and educating them and if they come to me and say, could you actually build a website? I would have to be honest and say, uh, if it was just up to me and I couldn't use any outside resources, mm, not really. I mean, I might be able to squeeze together a WordPress site that looks okay, but I'd get lost pretty quick. But I don't need that skill. There's plenty of people out there that do those things. So those are our two ground rules. Okay, so any idea we have, any of these foundational concepts, and let me just go through them real fast. You may hear, hear some pages turning because I'm actually looking in my own book right now to make sure I get this right, okay, as I'm going through. And it's not a long chapter. Chapter three of version nine of the book is what I'm reading right now, Silent Sales Machine. You can go to silentsalesmachine.com or pick it up on Amazon. But foundational idea number one is only do the stuff that only you can do. Only do the stuff that only you can do. That's the goal, okay? Foundational concept number two is Find your audience first. Now, I like that number two. Once you understand foundational concept number two, find your audience first, you will never again, I repeat, never again fail at anything you try online. Never. Literally every failure story I've ever encountered in retrospect, if we would have applied the FYA principle, find your audience first principle, it would have been a complete success, or they wouldn't have wasted any money and they would have abandoned it well before they spent the funds, which remember, there's no need to take those kind of risks, guys. Foundational concept number three, work with great partners. I love good partnerships. Now, partnerships can be really dangerous, okay? A 50-50 partnership is a disaster waiting to happen, but a good partner, oh my goodness, it can propel your business forward. Synergy, once you allow synergy to kick in in a partnership, one plus one equals four or five, oh, it's a beautiful thing. The fourth foundational concept is email marketing. Yes, that ancient technology from the early 90s is still the best form of communication ever invented by man. That form of one-to-many communication 
is the bomb. Just look at the last three weeks alone. Three weeks. I heard from a client who had a million dollar week thanks to email. I heard from a client who sold 18,000 units of his product thanks to email. I heard from another client who sold 24,000 units of his product approximately in, I think it was a single day. These are different individuals, okay? Thanks to email marketing. Me, I sell out events in a single day thanks to email marketing. You say, oh, Jim, I heard from Guru over here that says uh, open rates are, have diminished significantly. Open rates are really, really down for email marketing. Yeah, open rates have dropped for the spammers especially. We've gotten really good at ignoring spam. That's why I don't talk about how to email like a spammer. I talk about how to email like your grandma sends you an email. You open the emails your grandma sends you, don't you? Your mom or your friend, when they drop you an email, you open those, right? And maybe you're in your 20s yet and you don't have the responsibilities of life and a checking account and all these different businesses that are contacting you and you've signed up for discount cards, And but you will use email eventually. Yes, they were telling us that email would be dead back in the year 2000. They were saying, oh, email's on its way out. We've got all these other options now. No, email is awesome. Getting someone's email address is the best use of social media. Yes, I said it. Yes, that's highly controversial, Jim, but the numbers back me up. I'm not making this stuff up. Once I have someone's email address, I can contact them as much as I want, as often as I want. We'll talk about it a little bit. That's foundational concept number four. And then number five foundational concept is simple video. You've got to get comfortable with video. I've been saying it for a decade. Simple videos. Simple video. It's the way to go in the future. So these are the concepts that we cover in depth in Silent Sales Machine Chapter 3. But let's go back and go through the list in order with just a little more depth. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because you can read it and research it. Go out and try to prove me wrong on these. Maybe you think there's other things that belong on this list, and that's great. We can debate it and talk about it. But I think if you get all five of these down and you believe me and you trust me on these five things, then no matter what waves come and go on the internet, you're ready for it. You're ready to rock and roll no matter which direction the internet drifts, what the new trends are. You know, MySpace came and went. Twitter's fading right now. Facebook is king of the hill and so is Amazon right now. Get back to me in five years though. Let's talk. It's all going to shift around and drift around. But if you understand these five concepts, you're good to go, brother. You got it. You can do this, my sister. If you got these five concepts down, you got it. It's how these are the five foundational principles that we've seen work, support, and you don't need all five. If you just get one or two right, you're good to go. If you get all five right and apply them to your business, then you're like some of our top performers in our community, just going full blast in all direction, applying these different concepts to whatever business model you happen to find yourself in. But let's go back through the five and uh, just my goal here is to convince you of the validity of each of these. And then you can do your own research and go out and, and start expanding and diving deep into each of these as time allows. One or two of them is going to stand out to you hopefully today and make a mental note. I need to get more serious about that one. All right. That's my goal. One or two of them needs to jump out. And maybe you can revisit this list at some point in the future. Put it on your calendar to come back and listen to this episode again about six months from now and just see where you stand and, and see how these five principles hit you at that point. See if it still resonates with you. I think it will. All right, let's go back through them in order. The first principle was only do the stuff that only you can do. Now, this has been a basic business principle for the longest of times. Just imagine yourself as a franchise owner. You don't just own one fast food restaurant, not just five. Let's 
dream big. Maybe you own 50 fast food restaurants. They're all the same fast food restaurants over a large region. What does your job look like? Are you actually putting French fries in boxes and delivering them through the fast food window? Probably not. I mean, you might stop by from time to time and do that just for kicks and drive everybody there nuts because you're getting in the way and you don't know what you're doing. But really, your role at that level is to occasionally replace a manager, maybe. Keep an eye on the numbers. The lower performing businesses, you go in and figure out what's wrong. Maybe you build a new building every once in a while, make sure they're up to code, put good people in place, right? So you're not working in your business. You're only doing the stuff that only you can do. And the sooner you start thinking about your small business, let's say you're just shipping products on Amazon right now. Well, the sooner you stop touching box tape, the better. Because that's 8 to $10 an hour work. Someone else needs to be doing that. You need to be doing the stuff that only you can do. And just like we discovered with our friend Brian Young a few episodes ago, when we talked about some of the lowest hanging fruit on Amazon, one of our early episodes, you know, he's the guy who's selling books. His whole business, someone else is running it. He literally only checks the numbers and checks in with the manager. And as long as the manager's doing good and getting the training he needs, running the system well, yeah, it's all good. He can get another business model going. That's what it looks like to have multiple income streams. And thanks to the internet, it's never been easier. So the list of stuff that only you can do starts to shrink pretty quickly once you start thinking this way. Now, let me make a quick little side note here that will serve you very well because maybe you haven't hired anyone yet or maybe you've hired one or two people to help you in your business and you're paying them and it just doesn't feel like it's working right yet. Here's a, here's a big tip. That first person that you hire, that first person that you bring in shouldn't be someone that you bring in, and this is going to be your instinct now. In a lot of cases, your instinct is going to be wrong. And the math backs me up here. Let's think about this. That first person you bring in, you're thinking, oh man, I just hate putting tape on boxes. Let's bring someone in to put tape on the boxes. That's what really needs to happen because I just hate that part. Packing the peanuts or packing the, you know, don't use peanuts with Amazon, actually. <laughs> you use other packing materials. Amazon hates peanuts. But they're packing the boxes and putting tape on it. Now, now some of you are so, uh, let's just say you're a control freak. You won't even let that part of your business go. Shame on you. It will never be as big as it could and should be. You've got to let these small jobs go eventually. But this isn't the first job that you should let go. No, the first job that you need to bring in someone to help you with should be someone who's making you money. That means whatever part of the job that you've got nailed down now that's profitable, that part of your process where you're turning $10 bills into $50 bills, you bring someone in to help you with that and you teach them how to do that which allows you to breathe some fresh air for a while, to think, to clear your head, do the numbers and say, okay, now we bring in someone to put tape on boxes because we can afford to do it now because the money's still coming in. And then you start ramping up your business very strategically. It kind of feels like a game. You know, PayPal money has always kind of felt like, like it's monopoly money to me. It spends the same way, but for some reason, when it lands in my PayPal account in big chunks every day, it's like, is that really real money? Yeah, it's, it's digital bits floating around there, out there in the air, but yeah, it spends, it's real money. I can take my wife to a nice steak dinner with that stuff. It spends. It just doesn't feel real, does it? Sometimes that, that money floating around the digital bits, but yeah, it's spendable. I love it. So you want to go get someone who helps you do more of that. Someone who brings in more money for your business, who helps you do the parts of your processes that are profitable. That's where you start. And then you start doling off some of those tasks, the stuff you just don't want to do. Because guess what? Building a business in the beginning always has a list of stuff that you just don't want to do. 
But guess what? You're the one that's got to do it because you just don't have the funds yet to do it any other way. But if you find yourself doing that long-term, you're doing something wrong. You should always be here. I'll tell, put it to you this way. The only way I'm able to do this podcast is because I followed my own advice for the last four years. If I was the guy out doing all the sourcing and all the shipping and all the consulting and all the phone calls and all the customer service and all the editing for my businesses, building the websites, putting the tape on boxes, you know what? I wouldn't be doing a whole lot more than putting tape on boxes at this point. That's all I'd have time to do. And I could be making great money. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I could, with the skills I have and the stuff I understand, I could be living a very comfortable $100,000, a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe just doing basic, you know, retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, buying products for five or 10 bucks online or off retail stores and flipping them online. I could make some bank doing that. Maybe a few wholesale accounts in there, mixing a little private label. Now we're talking $250,000, working my tail off, doing it all myself. Some people would say, hey, well, Jim, that sounds like a dream. And yeah, to a lot of people, that is what it feels like to arrive at the dream destination. But you know, all you've got is a job at that point. And if you get sick for three weeks, guess what happens to the income, right? But on the other hand, if you're only doing the stuff that only you can do, you get all of those things. Plus you get time to think and time to spend with other people who are doing cool, creative things. You get time to pursue incredible hobbies. I mean, I ran a marathon last year, guys. I never would have had time with a corporate career. There's no job out there that would have allowed me the time it took to train every day. And I, I run five days a week, minimum six, most weeks putting in the miles. I mean, that takes time. That's a commitment but I have the time to do it because I've been very intentional about only doing the things that only I can do. I talk more about that in the book. Lots of other people talk about this concept. You know, it's good advice. It rings true. So start thinking and pushing in that direction. Okay. I could give you more illustrations and examples, but I think what I'm going to do is move on. So this podcast doesn't become ridiculously long. Okay. Foundational idea. Number two is find your audience first. And I alluded to the fact that Every failure story I've ever seen on the internet, when it came to an internet business idea, it failed because of this one single concept, find your audience first. And just to be real clear what I mean by finding your audience first, it's, it's the same advice I've given virtually every client or anyone who's ever come to me with a book or a project or an idea or a blog or a concept or a passion or a cause. I, one of the first questions I ask them is, who out there I want to name? Ideally, I want about 25 names of the people who have the audience that you wish you had. Who out there in the world has the attention, has people sitting on the edge of their seats talking about the topic that you want to start talking about? Give me some names. I want the names of those individuals. And I don't want to hear another word about your idea or your dream or your vision or your passion until you have a list of names for me. Because until you have a list of names, all you have is just that, a dream, a vision, a passion. And that's great. I'm not anti-passion. I'm very pro-success, though. And sometimes your passion is very unrealistic because it doesn't align with any proven strategy for eventual success. Now, if you are put on this planet and you believe in your heart of hearts and no one can talk you out of it, that 12th century Roman poetry is the only thing that you are made for and you're going to start a blog and that's all you're going to do with the rest of your life and I, no one can talk you out of it. Okay, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. Dude, do your thing. You be you. I'm just saying if you're trying to build a profitable business, here's the step you should go to first. 
don't come to me and say, Jim, is this a good idea? Do you think this would sell? I don't know. I mean, I have an opinion. I could guess. I don't know if I'd buy it or not. Probably not. I don't know. Maybe somebody would. But my question for you is, who out there has the attention? Who in the world? Give me a list of experts and leaders and authors who have the attention of the audience that you think your message or product or idea would really resonate with. And then let's go test it out. Let's go find your audience and find a creative three-way win. And I dive into the three-way win concept in the Silent Sales Machine book, but let's go find a creative three-way win. Let's get your, your message in front of them and see if it resonates. Give away some free content. Let's just see what people want. Let's do some surveys and check it out. So find your audience well before you commit to a product. And thanks to things like Facebook, it may be Facebook that has your audience. You know, one of the cool things that Facebook is doing now is segmenting people down into very specific demographics, making it very easy for you to test a concept. Now, I'm not saying Facebook advertising is easy, although, man, we are doing some cool stuff. Several niche markets we've gotten into now, building mailing lists of thousands and tens of thousands of people in some cases who are eagerly devouring our products. So we went and we found our audience first, and then we said, hey, guys, here's the product, and they're devouring it. It's a beautiful thing. But we go after the audience first, not the product first. That's the way business was done in the 60s and 70s and 80s. You develop the product first, and then you work about trying to sell it. This is why I, I can hardly watch the show Shark Tank. It just I, I about pull my hair out. Have you seen that TV show, Shark Tank? I mean, here's just entrepreneur after entrepreneur after entrepreneur, these people with dreams, and they, they've poured their heart into these products. Time, energy, and tweaks, and trial, and error, and they finally got this product, and they're so proud and excited, and they're married to this product. They wear their emotion on their sleeve. They've lost sleep. They've lost weight. They've lost their spouse. They've lost their friends. They've lost their money so they can bring this widget to the world, and here they stand before the sharks, who maybe give them a little more cash to keep them alive a little longer so they can hopefully bring it to the world. It breaks my heart. I want to say to every single one of them, go find your audience first. Why did you spend all that time developing a product not knowing that the audience was eagerly waiting for it? It's just not necessary. Go find your audience first. Once you understand that skill, you will never fail at another business concept the rest of your life. Yes, I said it. You will never fail at a business concept the rest of your life once you understand the find your audience concept. Okay, I'm going to move forward. I, I could spend, I could do an entire podcast, maybe I will, just on that one and giving examples. But I'm going to move forward. Work with great partners. Now, partnership in the English language is a word that is so incredibly limited because it's one of my least favorite words. And at the same time, it's one of my favorite words which tells me we need a whole lot more words for the word partnership because it means so many different things. You know, kind of like Eskimos. If you didn't know this, have you ever heard this one? Eskimos have multiple words for snow. There's the light powdery snow. There's the hard packed, you know, good to make snowballs and igloos snow. There's the stuff that's completely frozen and useless snow. All these different types of snow to an Eskimo. And they have different names for all these different kinds of snow. Well, to me, partnership has all these different potential meanings. And to most people, when they say the word partnership, I flinch. Like, no, no, no partnerships. Please don't do it. As my, as my, one of my mentors, Dave Ramsey says, the only ship that won't sail is a partnership. Like these 50 50 partnerships, you can talk to any accountant that you want. Go to any accountant who's been doing business taxes for more than, let's say, 10 years and ask them about partnerships, these 50 50 arrangements that people get themselves into. Disasters waiting to happen virtually every single time. However, 
the creative joint ventures that I do with folks, where there's a very clearly defined ending, beginning and ending, who gets paid what, you get paid based on your results, someone's in charge every time. I never do a 50-50, never. It's just a horrible, horrible way to build a business. Now, I did do it one time, actually, and it did work really, really well, but we had such clearly defined, distinct roles, and we both had veto power over anything, meaning if the other guy wanted to do something and I didn't like it, I could veto it and he couldn't argue, and vice versa. And neither one of us have used the veto very often, but we both have it. So if you're going to go down that road, I highly encourage that. But man, had I been older and wiser, I probably would have arranged it a little differently. And and I was smart because in this case, the idea was mine. I went to him. I All the money flowed through me. We knew exactly how he would get paid and when and what exactly what his responsibilities were. It just so happened we split the money 50-50. But really, it was such a defined arrangement that it ended up working out. But that's the exception, not the rule. The vast majority of times, the far better arrangement is for someone to be in charge and everyone else gets paid hourly with huge incentives and bonuses and commissions when things go well based on their efforts. That's the way to do it. That's how you get people to buy in. Not 50-50 partnerships all over the place, but say, hey, you know what? If you sell a thousand units, I'm going to give you X percent per unit sold. So yeah, let's rock and roll. You know, that's a good partnership. It's based on results. It's not based on let's make every decision together. So that way we can argue about absolutely everything. That's just a disaster waiting to happen. So I talk a little bit about partnerships, but finding good partners has been vital to the growth of my business. I've got partners everywhere. We're paying out money to so many different people, a little piece here of this project and a piece of that project. And it's a good thing because I'm only doing the stuff that only I can do. I'm able to launch so many projects now with so many great creative people, thanks to the internet. Some people I've never met, never spoken to, only over the internet do I even know who they are, by email only. My partner, Andrew Cavanaugh in Australia, we ran a membership site with tens of thousands of members for several years by email, never spoke, not even on Skype. We met each other for the first time, I think it was eight years after we launched the project. That's incredible. Only on the internet can you do such things, right? So I know it may sound like I'm kind of contradicting myself here. Yeah, partnerships are great. Yeah, partnerships stink. Well, that's because all the right words just don't exist. But proceed with caution when it comes to partnerships. And the way we partner with people, maybe you're thinking, oh, Jim, could I partner with you? Yeah, you probably can, but here's how it works. First, people typically read the Silent Sales Machine book. Then they have some success based on it. Then sometimes they'll go through our coaching program and they'll just ramp up and they'll be doing great things. And we'll go to them and say, hey, you're really doing great stuff. Do you want to spend a little time each month coaching two or three people? We think your success makes you a great candidate for uh, being a, a good coach. So we help them and groom them. They become a coach and they're coaching a few people. And then their success ramps up to a whole new level. And now they've got their own team. And we say, hey, you know what? Let's partner up. You know, let's let's figure out a way to work together here. Let's create some synergy. You know, that's where the good partners in our organization come from. We don't go out and hire and look for people to partner with. They kind of float from within our own organization quite often because then we know they understand our philosophy and how we do things, okay? So that's how we find good partners. Just a little tip for you on how we've arranged it around here as far as partnerships go. But I talk more about it in the book. Again, we're reading from Chapter 3 of Silent Sales Machine. Not really reading, but just kind of hitting the highlights a little bit. Some some free bonus content on Chapter 3 from 
silent sales machine. Now, as I'm recording this, it occurs to me, this is version nine, version 10 will come out soon. And, and one thing we've been doing with the silent sales machine book since version one is anyone who buys it, who, anyone who's bought the book at any point in the past, every time we update it and revise it and go through and, you know, just clean it out, any old links that have now broke or, you know, new concepts, things we're excited about, we tweak it, we give it for free. We pass it out for free to everyone who's bought it in the past. So it may not be chapter three anymore by the time you're listening to this, because again, I'm committed to making this content evergreen. And I think the five concepts we're talking about here today are long-term, very profitable concepts. And the next one is, again, I could probably do a podcast series on this next one. I could probably do four or five shows. I'm not going to. I'm going to plow through it as quickly as I possibly can, but it's email marketing. And for those of us who are number geeks, let me just say this, the ROI of email marketing done correctly is one to 50, meaning for every dollar you spend on email marketing, you could and should be making $50. Yeah, it's that powerful. It is incredible. It's the best use of social media, as a matter of fact, to grow your email list. And I know you've heard people say email's dying. I know you've heard people say, oh, well, it's all spam now. I know you've heard all the naysayers. The open rates are down, Jim. I know, I know, I've heard it all too. But when I want to fill up an event, or when I want to tell people about our project, when I want to tell people about this podcast and get us ranked in the top 10 on iTunes literally in a few days, what did we use? What did my partners use? They used email. They sent out email blasts and told everybody about it. Email works, guys. Email works. When we spend money on Facebook and we run ads and we're trying to grow an audience, what do we do? What's the best action we can get from folks? Get an email address. Trust me on this. If you're ignoring email, you're ignoring the most powerful form of marketing ever invented by man. And I've warned you in the past. I mean, think of it this way. Just think of email as insurance. eBay, Google, Facebook, PayPal, Amazon, Twitter, you name it. All these big, you can read news stories of them shutting people down. Some of the big Facebook groups, bam, gone. Here one day, poof, gone the next day. You've heard those stories, right? Amazon, eBay, if you don't have an email list of clients, now it's really tricky on Amazon to do this. And we've talked about it in the past, which is one of the reasons I really encourage those of us who are only selling on Amazon right now, you need to have some other things going. You need to look at some other streams of income. Because yes, while Amazon is a great way to put a lot of money in the bank selling physical products, you aren't establishing relationships with those end clients. This is why when we do Facebook marketing for products that we're selling on Amazon, we don't send people straight to Amazon to buy it. We send them to our mailing list. And then we say, hey, once they're on our mailing list, here's where you can go buy it. Right now it happens to be on Amazon. But if Amazon gets a little squirrely on us, starts charging us too much money, other competitors start coming in with our same product and undercutting the price, well, all we got to do is change our email that goes out to our subscribers and say, hey, we're not selling on Amazon anymore. Our product is over here on our own website. It's on Shopify. It's on Walmart. It's on this other page over here, entirely different. And our audience doesn't care once they trust you. They don't care where you're selling your product. So you want to have your own email list eventually. One of the cool bonuses that comes if you go drop a whopping $5 on the silentsalesmachine.com book, the book that started this podcast, you spend five bucks, you get it all. You get my $100 course. It's all about email list building. So it teaches you how to build big email lists 
how to build relationships with them. And let me just give you one of the power tips. I really haven't changed my theory of what it takes to succeed with email. Personally, this is the same stuff I've been doing for over 10 years now. It's the same stuff I've been teaching to my clients. I love text email. I mean, think about it when your friend, if you use email, some people say, oh, Jim, I don't even use email anymore. I know. Okay. You'll grow up someday. You'll have some bank accounts and things and you'll have some airline miles and you'll be booking flights and you know some of those things that require email. Most mature adults have email and maybe you're, you're still, you know, at the point where you don't need it yet and you're resisting that you'll have a Gmail account eventually. You will. It'll happen. Those of us who use email, we are in the habit. We've trained ourselves to completely ignore big, slick marketing emails. Any email that comes from company XYZ, we don't even open it, right? Typically, unless it's a company we we're, you know, doing business with and we, we really know, like, and trust a lot. But individuals who send us email, family member, you know, your dad drops you something, your friend from out of town drops you something. Yeah, you, we open that. Well, you want your email to look like that. That's how you keep your open rates up. That's how you keep your audience engaged. That's how we fill up an event. We send people good stuff all the time. We only send them good stuff. One of the big excuses I hear all the time, and I cover this in my course. I'm not going to go real deep into this, but people talk about email marketing. Like, well, Jim, if I grow a list, that means I got to send them stuff. Oh, I don't want to do a weekly newsletter. Oh, it just sounds terrible. Like who said you got to do it weekly? You don't have to do it biweekly. You don't have to do it on a schedule. I don't do this podcast or my newsletter or anything else on a fixed schedule where it has to come out at a certain time. The only people doing that sort of thing are the people selling marketing ads along with their content, which I don't do. I've never taken ads in my newsletter. So I don't have to meet some kind of pre-forecasted you know, ad schedule that says, well, we've got four ads that have to go out with this week's newsletter, Jim. So you better get together a good newsletter and make it up if you have to, but you better get some content out there, buddy, because that's not how I serve the audience. I actually surveyed my audience at one point back when my list was around uh, 10 or 20,000 people. And I said, Hey, how often do you guys want to hear from me? How often can I send you email? And I gave them several options and overwhelmingly, I think it was 80 something percent of them said, Hey, send me an email whenever you have something of value to send me. They don't care about my weekly schedule, my biweekly newsletter, the big, slick, cool graphics. No, no one cares. The most powerful emails I've ever sent that have gotten the best response rates have been one or two sentences and a link. Hey guys, here's a new course we just came out with. It's all about X, Y, and Z. I think you're really going to dig it. Here's the link. Go check it out. Let me know what you think. We priced it super low. Bam, link. Text and a link. That's it. That's what friends send friends. They talk in very real terms. They don't need use power trigger words. Right? You just send people stuff. You earn their trust and then you send them stuff that you think will help them out. That's it. That's email marketing. If you understand that, you got 90% of it right there. And there's tools that help you automate all of it. That's really all you need to know. Okay, let's talk about foundational concept number five. Embracing simple video. Quite often when I say video, people think instantly. A lot of people, a lot of us are introverts and we think, oh, no, 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 I, I can't possibly be on video. Let's skip this one. I'll do the other four, but never video. Well, before you abandon this idea entirely, just give me a moment. Let me explain. It doesn't have to be you on video, okay? It doesn't have to be, well, here, let's do this. If you go over to fiverr.com, you know, that site where people will do just about anything for five bucks, you can get, you know, out of work actors to put on a gorilla suit and climb a flagpole with a sign with your name on it if you want, and they'll videotape it for five, 10, 15, 20 bucks. 
Like they're dying for these gigs. They love doing it and they'll have a good time of it. And they'll send you this incredible corny video. You know, that's video. You send them a story and they'll tell the story. You send them a script and they'll do the script. There's people out there. So it doesn't have to be you, although there's a real genuine aspect of you doing your own stuff. Like I put my own name on everything I do. And quite often, you know, I'm the guy doing the Jim Cochran podcast. This is me. I'm not going to go to Fiverr because I'm nervous talking into a microphone. It needs to be me for this. This is me doing the stuff that only I can do. But video doesn't have to be you. And quite often the videos I do, they're not me on camera. It's a screenshot of me. I love the software Snagit for screen captures. I can make talk into my microphone, show my screen and capture it. And as I'm talking, I'm moving my mouse around, you know, telling people, hey, click here, go there, do this. And I've just made a cool little video and put it out on YouTube and everyone goes and checks it out. That's a video. That's video content. But here's a little secret for you. Here's, you know, as of December 2016, as I'm recording this, you know, the world may change. Maybe you're listening to this in the year 2020 and it's a little different now. But the, for the next few years, the future of video is Facebook. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but if you jump on Facebook right now and you post a YouTube video, a link, and let's say you're used to getting 20, 30, 50 likes and comments whenever you post anything on your Facebook feed. But for some reason, have you noticed when you post a YouTube video, it gets like nothing, like one like, one click, one comment. What's this? Like nobody sees your YouTube videos, dude. Why is that? Because Facebook doesn't tell anybody about it because they want you using their system to make videos. And when you use their system, oh my goodness, the go live videos that I've done, these cheesy little go live videos where I use my arm as a selfie stick and I just talk into my camera. Now I've got a portable microphone now and you know I've stepped up my game a little bit, but I'm still a rookie at all of this. But I'm getting thousands of people seeing my videos. It's insane, my go live videos especially. But some of the stuff we're doing with Brett right now, multiple different products that we're selling on Amazon and other places, building huge mailing lists, all using Facebook video ads. Because you can make your ad as detailed and as long as you want and pay just a few pennies per click. After that, it goes viral if you've done a good job of it. If you've got some, you know, a good script, which this is stuff we're going to be teaching people very soon. This is a course that's coming. It's going to be very reasonably priced. We've actually got an event coming up in early 2017, uh, February 2017, out in L.A., where Brett and I will be there. And we're limiting it to about 100 people so we can go real in-depth and teach people this concept. We'll probably be building a course at some point and talking about how to use Facebook to generate rabid audiences, huge email lists for pretty much any concept or product. And then you can sell it wherever you want, probably even offering a service where we do it for you as well. So it's going to be huge. We're really excited about this. We actually even had Facebook contact us and say, Hey, you guys are, your videos are just blowing up. What are you doing? This video after video, we're figuring it out here. So that's coming. That's some good stuff. But I've been talking about video marketing for years and years and years because I know it's the future of online business. The vast majority of all traffic online. This is a reason we're having all these bandwidth issues, right? All these cell phone companies, all these uh, cable companies are like, oh man, our bandwidth, we need more bandwidth. Well, it's because of all this video. Everything's video now. So if you're not comfortable with video yet, it's time to get comfortable with video. Maybe it's not your face, but there's some huge benefits to getting comfortable with it. 
Just get out there and practice. Here's a little tip for you. You may not realize this on go live on Facebook. If you got your Facebook account and you're thinking, oh man, I'm really nervous to go live with my first time. Well, you can practice and just set it to where only you see the video. Did you know that? You can set, make your settings. Like they'll say, who do you want to see this? And instead of public, you just click and scroll down and say, only me. And you make a go live video and you practice and you go back and listen to it and see what you look like, what you sound like. And then you can work on, you know, maybe the better microphone or maybe better lighting. And you can play around a little bit before you do it for reels. And the other tip is make sure you're somewhere where you've got a really good, strong internet signal. Otherwise it gets choppy fast when you're doing those. So yeah, try go live on Facebook. You'll be amazed. Facebook really rewards those of us right now who are jumping out there and using video on Facebook right now as I'm recording this huge, huge wave that I think is going to last the next couple of years as everybody slowly adapts to getting used to making videos and pushing out there. Facebook is really pushing this right now, guys. It's, it's the wild west. Anything goes new territory, lots of fun to be had, lots of big mailing lists to be grown. It's just a really powerful platform right now. Facebook video. Oh, it's huge. I can't overemphasize that enough. And you know, something to keep in mind is our philosophy. One of the reasons we've just had success after success after success is, and this was in the first version of silent sales machine, the book that, you know, that goes back 14 plus years ago, I decided I wasn't going to try to drive traffic. Even back then, everybody's talking about drive traffic here, drive traffic there, generate traffic. No, instead of all this driving of traffic, I just go to where the traffic already is. That's why I love Amazon. That's why I start most people out selling physical product on Amazon. Because all the traffic is there. The eyeballs are already there. Same thing with Facebook. The eyeballs are already there. So if you come to me and say, Jim, I want to start a blog about X. I'm like, ah, you know, how about you start on Facebook instead? How about you start out where the audience is? How about you start off by finding your audience first? Go find someone who's already writing on that topic, has a huge audience in that niche already. Partner with them in a creative way. Get your name out there. I'll give you a cool example of that one. I've had people come to me with an entire written book. Usually it's a concept first. I don't want anyone to go write a book and then come to me. Just come to me with a basic outline and say, hey, Jim, I'm thinking about writing a book. Here's the seven chapters. Here's what it's going to be about. Here's proof that I know what I'm talking about. Would you write the foreword to this book? Insert your content wherever you think makes sense, and then we'll make it co-authored by you and I. Now, why would someone do that? Well, because I've got a big audience now. And the guy with the audience kind of makes the rules. And if you don't have an audience, you don't have a list of people who care what you have to say next. A good way to get one is to partner up creatively. We call them three-way wins. I talk about this in the find your audience and the partnership sections that we just went through. These are the five foundational concepts. I'm giving you some real world application here. So they wrote a book. I went through, edited it up a bit, added in my own thoughts, wrote the closing comments, maybe checked on the links, referred to, over to some of my products you know, with their affiliate link built in. So they make some money if anything gets sold. And there we got a book. And then we roll it out to my audience. And guess who just became an overnight expert on that topic? My, the co-author. So I look good. The co-author looks good. My audience gets some great content. And instead of them going out and writing a book and trying to get all the credit for it and pounding away with one or two new readers a week for the next six years, they came right in front of a large audience where their content really appealed. And they figured out a way to make me look good while getting their message in front of my audience, which also made them look good. Three-way win. Does that make sense? So these are just some of the ways that these ideas can be applied to just about any business model. I'm hoping you're finding this stuff really useful. I would love to get your feedback if you're enjoying these podcasts. Please, yes, I'm talking to you. If I haven't heard from you yet, 
I'd love to get a review on iTunes. I'd love for you to subscribe on iTunes. That would help us out a ton. I haven't reminded you recently. Maybe I have. I apologize, but let me just remind you, you can download iTunes on any desktop. If you're thinking, Jim, I I don't have an iPhone. I can't use iTunes. No, on any desktop, you go to iTunes, you download. It could be a PC or a Mac. It's free. Set up your Apple account. That's free as well. Although iTunes has some good stuff and you may want to pay for some of it, but you don't have to set up your free account and just go into podcasts, look up silent sales machine radio, click subscribe, leave us a review. Five stars would be awesome. Well, I can't believe it. We just blew past like 128. I think our first 128 reviews were all five stars so far. Now I'm sure someone's going to come along and, and break, you know, break our chain of five star. That's fine. It's all good. We've definitely figured out by now we're on to something. The vast majority of you guys out there really like this show, Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. Maybe you've got ideas for a show. Maybe you think you deserve to be a guest on this show because you've come from our community. You've got a compelling success story. Hey, we'd love to do that. We'd love to get some guests on here who've done some interesting things. Let's tell your story. Let's get it out there. But just so you know, from the bottom of my heart, I love entrepreneurs. I love what you're doing, building a business. It's virtuous. It is good. It's making the world a better place. Be proud of it. And if you happen to be listening to this around Christmas time, Merry Christmas. But I want to keep this real evergreen so we can listen. You can be listening to this anytime. And I promise that I'm going to make these episodes very evergreen. You can listen to them anytime you want. But man, I've got Christmas in my heart year round. I just love celebrating the success and the opportunities that we have, the blessings. I'm so grateful. Gratitude. Oh, it's just, if that's not a word that you find coming off your lips very often, you need to think about it a little bit more. Remember, gratitude leads to optimism and optimism is a key to success in business. That's just truth. It can't be successful unless you're grateful. That's what I just said. Yep. You can take that to the bank. All right. Well, I'm going to sign off. God bless you. This was a fun episode for me. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I can't wait to do it again. We've got another one coming at you real soon because you know I love doing it. All right, signing off. Jim Cockrum, Silent Sales Machine Radio. See you next time.